0: Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Once again, I'm glad that you are here. And uh, it's starting to look and feel more like summer out there as we record this. That's good, and I hope things are going well for you and your family. Uh, We're going to continue today our episode on the Compendium uh, of the Social Doctrine of the Church, which is actually going to be several episodes, and uh, looking forward to this ongoing discussion and having a few guests along the way throughout this series. Uh, Last time we gave you an introduction, some thoughts around uh, the idea around the Compendium which the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace of the Catholic Church put together. Uh, Very, very important document. If you're able to purchase a copy, I encourage you to do so. Uh, And it will take you a few times to read it, to really wrap your mind around what's really being said. But hopefully this podcast is going to clear up some things for you as well uh today we're doing a part one of chapter One of the compendium. It's a rather long chapter, but there's a it's not just a link that is just a lot to cover in that. And the title of the chapter is God's Plan for Humanity now i I love how the Pontifical Council started this discussion by looking at what God's plan for humanity is because unless we really understand what's going on, then we can't really. Uh, have a direction to go when it comes to creating a just society. I, uh, uh, As I look around at these social justice movements, whether it's riots or anti-racism or anti-police uh, shootings or whatever it is, uh, uh, they seem to lack direction. And it's because they don't have the very basic understanding of even what it means to be human or why we're even here. You know, if you are an atheist or, or if you are uh, someone uh, who just believes that there's no God, we're drifting or we're just accidentally here or whatever, then you're going to have a problem coming to a solution to the problems that plague society because you have no idea what the end goal is. You're just kind of making it up as you go. And it, it appears when I look at these groups that they really are making it up as they go. But the the pontifical council shows us that God has a plan. There is a God, and He has a plan, and He's 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 taking us in a certain direction. He's got a purpose for us being here. So we're gonna really study that today. In part one, just covering a few concepts. And a few paragraphs, Uh, as often with Catholic writings, the the compendium is written in a series of paragraphs. So you can refer, you'll hear me today talking about, for example, paragraph 28 or whatever, because they number the paragraphs. So you can have quick reference, Uh, a lot like the uh, catechism of the Catholic Church uh, is in numbered paragraphs. Now, one of the things that I want to bring about in... This is that uh, uh, that as human beings, we are complex, we are made in a certain fashion, and we have a certain role to play. And that has to be understood if we're going to understand even what we're supposed to do. So the, the crux of what we're getting at today is that we're, we have to look at the human person. And from that, we can understand how society and justice works. Uh, in the chapter, God's Plan for Humanity, it says that justice and solidarity are the main theme of dealing with human relationship between persons and societies. You see that justice and solidarity are the main themes uh, of, of dealing with human relationship between persons and and societies. Now I want to clear up some language here for those of you not in the sort of circles often of social justice. The term solidarity means to be one with, to experience with. So for example, if I am seeing, for example, uh, uh, homelessness and from my physical observation of homelessness, I decide to do something and maybe I take food to the homeless. I'm not actually in solidarity. Am I doing something? Yeah, sure. I'm doing something, but I'm not actually in solidarity with those people. But if I begin to go to the places where they sleep, go into homeless camps, begin to visit with them daily, if I begin to defend their rights as individuals, if I begin to speak to city leaders about justice for the homeless, now I'm entering into solidarity with them. I am living into their experience. Uh, Now, St. Teresa of Calcutta, often known as Mother Teresa, she did not herself become a leper, But she certainly lived in solidarity with the lepers there in Calcutta because she she um, was daily experiencing life with them, speaking on their behalf and defending them. So solidarity, living that lived experience, that living into the experience of the other. And that's a very important theme in the compendium and often in Catholic social teaching. In other words, I am one with the other, and what I do affects them. Now, there is a universal religious understanding of who God is. And then from that, we know the true uh, humanity of man. In paragraph 22 of the compendium, it talks about knowing the true humanity of man, And it expounds on that. I'm not going to expound on it a lot here. You can read it if you wish. But they state, the the Pontifical Council states, that there's a religious understanding of who God is and who is God. God is relationship within the Trinity. God is generous. God is kind. God is loving. God is nurturing. God provides all those things. God is goodness and then from that we know the true humanity of man because if man was or humans were made in god's image then the truest human experience is to be kind is to be good is to be generous is to be provisional towards others long-suffering all those things but i think Generous is the main word we want to look at here because God is very generous. And we see in the parables of Jesus, the generosity of God, where Jesus says that God causes the rain to to come on the fields of the good and the wicked farmer. God causes the uh, sun to shine on the fields of the good and wicked farmer. God is generous. We see in the parable of the prodigal son, the generosity of God, the father, towards humanity and if we're going to truly live the human experience we will live in that same generosity and then from that grows justice and solidarity Uh, now one of the things that the uh, um, uh, pontifical council brings out in the compendium is the laws of israel in the old testament and how in those laws we see especially in the, the laws around the sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee, that in those laws, we see the generosity and the true justice lived out. Now, I'll give you just a brief uh, rundown of that, but if you want to read Leviticus chapter 25, so go to the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, and then the third book, Leviticus chapter 25, we see it's spelled out from moses through inspiration of god how god wanted the people of israel to live in a just society and around those sabbatical years so the sabbatical years happened once every seven years and the levitical years uh happened once every 50 years and israel unfortunately failed to live those out uh, oftentimes and god would come along and correct them on that but in the sabbatical years once every seven years you had to let your fields rest you had to let your employees rest with pay by the way uh and so on and then in the levitical years once every 50 years property all property had to be returned to the original owner uh all debts had to be canceled throughout the land throughout the nation and uh, all these resets happened and you can read it in leviticus 25 but all these resets happened In other words, God said from time to time in the life of a nation, there needs to be a complete reset, canceling of debts, rest for employees, rest for fields, and just shut the production lines down for a year and let things recharge and let the earth have a break. And so in those sabbatical and Levitical years, it wasn't just for the human person, but even there was justice towards the earth. The earth was allowed to rest and replenish and the fields uh, and and all of that. And so we see it lived out. The the true humanity lived out in those concepts of the sabbatical and year of Jubilee. Now, uh, in this compendium, The Pontifical Council shows that what we have to do if we want a just society, and this is one I haven't really hit on a lot in these podcasts, but I'm going to start hitting it now because it's time is that to form a truly just society first, you understand what is a human, and then once you come to understand what a human being is, and then from that you form the just society. Now oftentimes we get it backwards, right? <laughs> we get it backwards because we build the society as a mechanism, a machine, and then as, then we just insert humans into slots. A friend of mine and I were discussing recently how that, you know, corporations and companies are completely upside down. You've got the wrong people at the top. You've got the wrong people at the bottom. The people who are the natural and good leaders are on the assembly line and the people who are terrible at leadership are at the top. You see, (laughs) we were talking about that. But why is that? It seems like in society, and my friend said, it seems like in society that there is no body or very rarely people in positions that actually fit who they are as a person and what their skill set is. Everybody's working outside their makeup as a person. But why is that? It's because we build a machine of a society and then we just force humans into slots into that machine. But if we really want to see a really amazing society, a really like awesome society that's, yes, has experiences justice, but that thrives and where everybody thrives, which is as I've said, the definition of justice is where everybody is given the chance to thrive. How do you do that? First, you look at the person. What is a human being? And then from that understanding, we will build a society. Why do you think that the ancient Eastern societies in Asia and places like that, why do you think they were good societies? Because they did that. They looked at the natural order of humanity and, um, And fit people in that. In fact, even the caste system in India, as corrupted as it has become, when it first started, it was started for a really good reason. Because in India, they said, if we understand that certain people are created certain ways with certain skills, then we will put those people into that caste system. So they realized, for example, there was... uh, Individuals who really were deeply and naturally spiritual, we'll put them in the Brahmin caste, the the caste of spiritual leaders. Well, that makes sense, okay? Or people who are really intelligent, we'll put them in the scientific class. Well, that makes sense. You see, and from that you get a great society. And so it's and it's not just looking at what is a human and building society from that, but it's also looking at individuals. So instead of creating positions and fitting people in those positions that may or may not qualify, and mostly people are put in positions for political reasons anyways, what we want to do is look at individuals and say that individual, for example, if you're a business owner, say that individual would fit great in our company. Let me create a position around that individual. You see, you'll have a more thriving company that way. And so that is the very foundation of creating a just society is understanding the human being now the the in the compendium they go on to say that god's gratuitous nature is seen in creation and the garden of eden i mean if you just look at creation there is abundance all around us now people are worried now we're going through this shortage at the timing of this podcast where we're going through a shortage where grocery store aisles are running empty and all of that. people, as a person who eats from the earth, which is what I do, even though I live in the city, I go to small farms wherever I can find them and I get my eggs and lettuce and spinach and broccoli and all that stuff that you know the fact is, God has given us what we need in nature, our medicines and everything. So the fact is, if we were to actually be connected to the earth, we would see God's abundance in creation. I love the fact that I live in the Pacific Northwest, which has an insane abundance of water. And what do we do? We go to the store and buy it in a bottle from Houston, Texas. (laughs) You know, just what, how backwards is that? You see? But God's gratuitous, God's generous nature is seen in creation and in the Garden of Eden. Uh, In the Garden of Eden, in that story where God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in the garden, the Pontifical Council points out something very important and something I hadn't really wrapped my mind around before, but they say that we see justice in action in the story of the Garden of Eden through caring for the earth, that Adam and Eve, there's two things that they really point out about that story is one is that God puts Adam and Eve in the garden to do what? To take care of the earth. If you want to ask one of the most basic questions, why am I here? We ask that a lot as humans, even if we don't say it out loud, we're pondering it at certain moments in our mind. Why am I here? Well, you want to know why you're here? According to the story of Adam and Eve, you're here to take care of the earth. So get busy with it. (laughs) You are not here to make money. You are not here to buy a car and a house and to have television and play video games. That is not at all why you exist. You are here to take care of the earth. Number one, of course, there's other reasons to worship God, to glorify God, to be in relationship and so on. But the Pontifical Council also points out that In the Garden of Eden, we not only see them taking care of the earth, but we see them in relation with each other, where Adam and Eve are seen in the story as being equals, where Adam says to Eve, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. So Adam saw himself as being one with Eve, not just because she was his wife, but because she was another human being. And so So from that, there was justice, a just society in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because they realized they were one with each other. And I've hit on this a lot recently, but it it bears repeating that if I really understand that I am one with others, then I won't be so quick to injure them. For in injuring them, I'm injuring myself. You see? And just think about this, when you injure another economically or physically or mentally or however, when you injure another, you are, that is an affront to the image of God because that person, those farmers from Mexico, those what we call illegal immigrants from Mexico, both Russians and Ukrainians... The people on the assembly line at your factory, all of those people are made in the image of God. And when you do injury to them in any way, that is an affront to the image of God. That is serious. Now, one of the things, and I won't get too deep into it today, but one of the things I find interesting is that the rights of the poor and human rights in the Old Testament are immediately spelled out after the Ten Commandments. So in Exodus 20, we're given the Ten Commandments. Well, then right after the Ten Commandments are given, immediately in Exodus 21, it talks about the rights of the poor and human rights. Read it. Exodus chapter 21. I encourage you to read both Exodus 20 and 21. Read the Ten Commandments, but read them in their proper context, because God gives these commandments, which, by the way, has to do with our relationship with each other as humans. And then right after that, in Exodus 21, we're given the uh, play-by-play of how to live the commandments out. I mean, it shows in detail how we are to be towards the poor and just towards each other as humans. Now, uh, jumping ahead, in paragraph 28, the council points out that Jesus Christ is the true liver of God's... The father's plan of love so we see jesus as the ultimate social justice warrior not in riots and not in protest but rather jesus living out the father's plan of love one of jesus ultimate acts of social justice was when he was nailed to the cross brutally beaten and from that position he says father Have mercy, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do from the cross. That was an act of social justice. The father's plan of love. Of course, we also see it in the parables on justice. There's many of them. We see it with Zacchaeus, who who. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to go and eat dinner at your house today. And Zacchaeus says, immediately moves towards justice upon encountering Jesus. And he says, today I'll give back four times what I owe people, how I've ripped off people. So Zacchaeus says, I've been been unjust towards people. And upon encountering Jesus, immediately says, I will make things right and be a just man. We see it in the Beatitudes and the Gospel of Matthew and on and on. And then in uh, paragraph 29, the council points out that Jesus shows us how to be one with God and thus love gets instilled into our hearts. So once we connect intimately with God, then God's justice gets instilled into our hearts and then flows out from us. So here's the very absolute root of social justice, and it is this becoming intimate with the creator, the creator who is generous and loving and kind and merciful, the creator who gives himself fully to his creation, the creator who from the cross says, I forgive you, <laughs> who stops the maddening will of injustice from that one statement. As we become unified through prayer, through meditation with God, then his love gets instilled in us and then flows out of us. And then justice is the natural result from that. We see it in the Trinity with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, where there's an infinite communion of love. And because we are all called to be children of God, then we are all brothers and sisters. So on and on it goes. And I could go on forever with this, but I've got to wrap this episode up. But but listen, read the compendium and really understand that it is as I am in intimate communion with the creator, then I end up be, being in intimate communion with my fellow humans, my brothers and sisters. And because of the Trinity, we understand that to be truly human is to be truly a community of love. To be truly human is not about being a CEO or being rich or successful, having a big house. No, or being famous. No, to be truly human, to truly live, is to live in a community of love. Well, let me know what your thoughts are. There's a lot... To wrap our heads around with this but let me know your thoughts on this you can email us the email will be given to you in just a moment but thank you for listening it's always a joy to be here with you and have these conversations and i really do i hope you have a blessed day as you come into intimate communion with god and then from that become into intimate communion with others and create a just society right where you are You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend.